right, guys, welcome back to the Nosebleed Seats podcast. This is episode number 27. Me and Liam are here today ready to talk all four Boston sports teams with you. Maybe the first time in our history we'll be talking about the Pats, the Seas, the Bruins, and the Red Sox all in the same episode considering everything that's going on with all all four teams, certainly the Celtics and Bruins being the most exciting uh, playoffs wrapping up and starting for them. Uh, the Pats will be hitting on the quarterback spot, obviously, with Tom Brady gone, Cam Newton in. We'll be giving you our rundown on that, so maybe a couple other players we like. Uh, in training camp and the Red Sox, which we're going to be starting off with, um, you might be asking why we're talking about baseball with everything else going on. It is still baseball season. Uh, we do have listeners that want to hear about the Sox, no matter how bad they might be right now. Um, but the main concern with them is certainly the the roster, the trade deadline coming up. And, uh, I mean, this team is certainly going to be selling some assets. They've already started. They traded a couple bullpen pieces to the Phillies a couple nights ago. Got some prospects out of that. I mean, this is what is just going to come out of this. Um, the Sox are reloading. I wouldn't really call it a rebuild, but they are reloading. And to do that, you need to get some, you need to get a farm system, whether it's reloading or rebuilding. This team has no farm system. And I certainly think they're going to be doing that. To sign some free agents uh, heading into this winter. But um, my first question to Liam here is which name? do you think the biggest name will be shipped off here in the coming days? Um, you know, it's definitely a weird time. Uh, the Sox are currently sucking. Uh, I believe not the worst, but very close, close to it. Than the Pittsburgh Pirates with the worst record in baseball. But, I mean, it's, I think if this was a full season, uh, we'd be stuck in that mediocrity zone uh, where we're not really playing for anything. Like, we're just in limbo <clears throat> which I really think is where the Red Sox are at as an organization uh, we went from the best team in franchise history two years ago to now we're one of the worst teams in the MLB so yeah. it's kind of insane this literal just turn that this franchise took but if I were to guess what name would be on the move next I genuinely think it might be J.D. Martinez um Red Sox organization as of late has been very stingy with money as we refuse to pay Mookie Betts. Um, that's a whole nother topic for another day is Mookie Betts is currently killing it for the Dodgers. I believe he's second in the league in home runs, but I mean, it just makes sense. JD's getting old. This is where a team that's not fighting for the playoffs right now. And we're probably not going to fight for the playoffs next year, but this is a, just a smart move to get rid of J.D. You dump his contract, and he's a valued player. And it's going to be interesting to see where he goes, but if this is what I was looking up uh, for the pod, I genuinely think that the team, there are two teams I think are likely to land him, and it's the Chicago White Sox, as they are a non-divisional rival, and they're mm-hmm. not a super powerhouse. I think the White Sox are going to, try to beef up that offense as they already are their division leader and run scored. 
I think they're going to try to keep that train rolling all the way through the postseason. J.D. Martinez would definitely help in Chicago. And then I think in the National League, I think a prime landing spot for him will be uh, the San Diego Padres. Uh, the Padres have been lighting the league on fire of late. They've just been on an absolute roll, smacking around Houston, smacking around uh, the Rangers. It They were there just on the roll. They are a wagon right now. Um, and I think J.D. Martinez would be the perfect piece to this team. Uh, he'd add even more power. He'd probably like hit in the five hole in uh, San Diego. That's how mm-hmm. dominant they've been hitting the ball. And I think they just want to keep that train going. So I genuinely think those are two landing spots. Those are two teams with a boatload of prospects that they can ship our way as the Padres have six players in the MLB top 100 and the White Sox have four including uh, the number three prospect, uh, Luis Robert. Robert, don't know yep. if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and so I think it would just be a win-win for either situation as these are two teams that probably in an ordinary season, the wheels might fall off come this time in a normal season, August, September, the dog days of summer. I think these are two teams that need a win now need to take advantage of this awkward season. And I think J.D. Martinez would be the perfect addition, and they are teams that have assets that would lure the Red Sox into trading him. Um, my take on this whole trade deadline coming up is I think the Sox are in a pretty tough spot because you look down the roster and the guys that suit this whole threshold of being traded you know, like the guys who make sense to be moved there are the names that are very good players that a lot of fans would have a hard time moving on from even being so bad just guys like JD and Sandra Bogarts being one we're going to hit on him in just a sec but these are the two players that like I would eat I get it they got to retool the, the farm and stuff, but like these are two guys that like they've been a part of this team for. I mean, given JD's only been here for three years, but JD was on this team that, like you said, was the winningest team in history when won the World Series, one of the best hitters in the game. Uh, he's a mentor to all these other hitters, like Mookie Betts. When he was here, JD was a huge part of Mookie Betts' success. I don't care what anyone says. J.D. and Mookie were always next to each other in the dugout during games. Uh, J.D. always had the iPad out, working on critiquing Mookie's swing, his own swing, and countless amount of teammates' swing. So, I mean, that's huge. That's a big part of why I would have a hard time moving on to J.D. There are those two players, like Bogarts and Martinez, and then the rest fit into the category where I don't think we could get hardly anything of, of an asset, like the players that go into that category. J, JBJ, maybe Kevin Pillar, if you even want to say that. I mean, Kevin Pillar provides defense. I'd like to think a, a contender would want to bring him in as like a fourth outfielder uh, just to get in some late-game situations, stuff like that. Uh, pitchers, I mean, there's, there's really no pitchers here. I mean, Matt Barnes. Maybe we could get like a little bit something, but I don't think you'd get that much given what we just got Brandon Workman for. We really didn't get much for him. I don't see the the return for Matt Barnes being any much higher. The one guy 
that I think is kind of in that middle category that fans would be okay dealing for a decent haul back is Andrew Benatendi. He is having a re- very, very, very tough year, which, which is driving down his value. But I do think there is a team out there that is willing to take a chance because this guy, when he is uh, good, he is a very good contact hitter. He's young or he's younger. Um, he's under team control in terms of years left on his contract. And I like it's been thrown out a lot quickly before I wrap this up quickly thrown out a lot over the past few days, considering what's going on over there, the Cleveland Indians. Um, I've seen a lot of the Plesak Clevenger stuff. Would the Red Sox throw Ben Attendee and maybe a piece for a guy like Mike Clevenger or a guy like Zach Plesak? I don't think, I think the more suitable guy is Clevenger just because I don't think the Indians would deal a guy like Plesak who was having a year before he got in trouble and got demoted for all that stuff. He got he went out uh, to a club during this COVID season, which is a big no-no for obvious reasons. I mean, this is something that like fits the Red Sox perfectly because next year you get Chris Sale back. Like I said, it's a reload. So like they're definitely not going to be rebuilding. So I think a trade of Ben Attendee to the Indians for maybe one of those two pitchers would make perfect sense. It's it's far fetched. But again, it's really not because it's two sides that are kind of on similar spots trying to move a player. Why not just ex- exchange? That's my take on it. But I wanted to ask you about the Xander Bogart situation. So for those who don't know, Xander Bogart basically has a September 6th um, no trade clause that kicks into his contract. Obviously. Um, this kind of hurts the Sox because if they ever wanted to trade him in the future, they couldn't trade him to their destination of choice. But let's say a team like the the Rangers offer a way better deal than the Padres. This is just hypotheticals. Sander Bogarts, if he didn't want to p- go to Texas and play in Texas, he could say no to the deal, and then the Red Sox would ultimately have to trade him for a far less haul to a team like the Padres. This is just a, like, again, a hypothetical situation. So do you think this ties in at all going into this trade, this trade deadline? Do you think the Red Sox have this in the back of their minds or are they all in on Xander Bogarts? Uh, I'm not going to pretend to know like what I think is going on in the organization. Um, the Bogarts news is brought up for a reason. Um, it's a little suspicious that uh, we're now just like all that information about his contracts coming out around this time that there is the no trade clause. So there must be rumors brewing in the organization. Um, me as a fan, uh, I'm going to riot if they trade Xander Bogarts. I, I will question my fandom of this team if we trade another young MVP caliber, not right now, but probably will be soon, caliber player in Xander Bogarts. I I just could not stomach the idea of us trading in less than a year Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts. It, I, I, I just couldn't, could not even fathom 
the fact that if we trade guys from that championship team, we trade the league MVP and then who was like 24 when he won it and are probably our best player this season in Xander Bogarts. Probably, probably if like a normal season, he'd be the best player on the Red Sox. Mm. He is unbelievable. I would be fuming at the mouth if we even consider trading Xander Bogarts. He's the future of the team. And you just gotta let him rock. You just gotta let him, just gotta let him go. Gotta let the let the big dog loose. Gotta just I don't know what you gotta just keep him in the organization. He is one of the best shortstops in baseball. Cannot trade him. He's young. Build the team around him. Endeavors and Verdugo. We have enough young guys that we can have a winning team in two seasons. We'll go back to being the Red Sox of old. You just can't. You can't. It doesn't make sense to trade an asset of that value just because it's the trade deadline time and uh you, uh you know we might might not be able to pick where he gets to go no screw that like no keep keep xander bogarts <laughs> it just makes sense yeah. like i mean he's i i i when you told me that earlier today like that there's even a thought of trading xander bogarts i was like you gotta be kidding me it, it it's it's absurd it's absurd to me i'm sorry <laughs> No, I, I'm on, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you are. You just said it. I mean, if if they come out and trade Xander Bogarts, I mean, that just makes your Mookie Betts trade that much more of a failure because you ultimately could have traded Xander Bogarts a year ago or six months ago, opened up the cap room, and been able to sign a league MVP in Mookie Betts. But instead, you're giving up both. That would be historically colossal, colossal failure. So I mean I'm I'm right there where you are. I mean, trade or no trade clause or no whatever, they got to keep this guy around if they want any sort of chance in winning in the near future in the next coming seasons. I mean this is your captain, uh, he's your longest tenured player. Um, this is undoubted, no question about it. Um, if they do that, I will be right there with you. I'll probably be jumping ship on the Red Sox for a very, very long time, considering I've been a fan the whole, my whole life, this would be their biggest failure that I've ever seen as my uh, in my lifetime. But um, I would definitely wouldn't count on it. It's just kind of a rumor, pipe dream rumor. I would not count on it. So we're going to leave it there with the Sox. They're still terrible. So um, he's I, don't a, really, he's I a, really don't think... Hitting third, he's a power-hitting shortstop that's career average is just under three. He gets his career on base percentage is three and a half. I'm just, I'm sorry. I just, I yeah, can't no. even, it. Uh... I just don't think it, I just, I think ownership knows. I think management knows that what would be going on, what the fans, what the reactions, what the takes would be. It He's would only be, 27. Yeah, no, I, I just don't see it happening. No shot. The Sox are still terrible, so we're going to move on from them. That ain't changing anytime soon. Yep. Uh, next off, we'll hit the Pats. We'll leave uh, the two two best for last. The Pats, um, they've been in the swing of things in camp. Um, as camp has dwindled on the past couple weeks, we have seen more and more snaps going to Cam Newton. I don't think that's a bit of a surprise to most fans. Um, Cam is certainly the most suitable guy to take the helm week one. 
considering Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham are just not there yet. I mean, uh, talking more about Jarrett Stidham now, I don't think Brian Hoyer was ever going to see the field. Um, he's just not that type of... <laughs> I mean, I would rather just see uh, Stidham in there, considering he's young, just give him the reps now than going with a 34-year-old career backup quarterback. So, no surprise there. Cam has looked the best out of all quarterbacks. Um, he has not looked great, from what I've read um, on Twitter, from my all the Pats beat writers I follow. He has not looked great, but he has looked good enough to where he will be the starting quarterback week one. Um, thing I want to hit on with the Pats is just kind of like the expectations. So now, like we talked about them after the Brady departure. I want to talk about expectations for Cam Newton. And I want to talk about expectations for this team. They're in a tougher division now. They've got weaker. The Bills got stronger. The Dolphins got stronger. Um, what is what is your expectation for Cam Newton and the Patriots? Well, uh, let's start off with our beloved New England Patriots and say I think the expectation is the division tie. Um, I think anyone looking further than that is reaching way too far. I think, I think division title is a very fair expectation out of this team. Obviously, the Bills and Dolphins got better. The Jets are still a laughing stock, but I think I I just genuinely believe that we still have a better core group of guys, even with the opt outs. The opt outs definitely didn't help, but. I mean, it's next man up, and as long as Bill Belichick's at the helm, I think the expectation every year is a division type. And I firmly believe that we are going to achieve that. I, I have not changed my pick on the Patriots with all the opt-outs. I still think we're going to go around 11-5, and 10-6. and six. That range, like, give or take the extra game there. I still think our expectation is division title and a playoff win. Because we're going to be, we'd host a playoff game. Yeah. Those are my expectations: is to win the division, win a singular playoff game. We're not going to get the bye because it's a one, one team bye this year. That's that's out of reach. That's not realistic for us to obtain. I genuinely think my expectations for the Pats: division title, one of the best defenses in the league, and a one playoff win, and then. You can't control who you play in the next round, but depending on who you play, that's a different story. Uh, my expectation for Cam Newton is to do exactly what Tom Brady did last year. Um, if he just comes in, puts up very similar numbers to what Brady did, I think Brady sniffed four. He like just got over 4K in the last game. Uh, 20-something touchdowns, couple interceptions. Cam also has the legs that Tom didn't have. So I, my expectation is to a quarterback at the similar caliber as Tom Brady last season. I'm not ta- not saying he's going to be Tom Brady, but Tom Brady on a bad year is what I expect Cam Newton to be. And I think if he plays like that, we're going to have success. If he plays better than that, even better. The Patriots will be a better team than the expectations are. But if Cam Newton is struggling, can't figure it out, He's looking like he did last year when he was hurt. Then then there's another question of if 
Stidham or Hoy- even Hoyer goes into the games and starts playing. But I genuinely think I think the bar for Cam's pretty low. But I think the bar for this team is pretty high. I think the um, I think the perfect example of what this team needs to model. You're gonna question when I say it, but like, hear me out. The the what this team needs to model is last year's Tennessee Titans, the team they got beat by. Look, go down that team's roster this year or last year, whatever. I don't care. Go down that team's roster. Yet the normal fan is just gonna say like, "Yep, they just fed it to Derrick Henry." Like. Time in, time out. Yep. They did do that against the Pats, and it worked. But, I mean, this team didn't just rely on Derrick Henry all season. They did not just keep feeding him and feeding him. They found ways to exploit teams in different ways. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was Henry. It was Henry most of the time. But, like, there were obviously different ways that they came out on top. Um, They beat the flashiest team in the league last year, the Baltimore Ravens. So basically what I'm getting at is the Patriots need to find something, something, I don't know what it is, that is going to exploit teams. Um, they they just can't win anymore by coming into the stadium and coming into the stadium laughing, just knowing they're more talented. That's just not how it's going to be anymore. Um, we all know it. Uh, this team is probably, on paper, very, very, very average. And I mean, take what you want from that from that term. Um, they're not great, but they're certainly not bad. Um, I I really question it because I just don't see anything in the offense where it's like, okay, maybe this guy, like maybe we can use this guy to throw a lot of teams off and grind out this win. Um, the really the only the only name that comes to mind is Damian Harris. Um, I certainly think. You're going to soon see Sonny Michelle's last days in New England. I think they've pretty much jumped ship on him, uh, just given him the injuries. And his just like, he's like I just said, he's just so average. And if you want any chance, you need a running back. This team needs a running back desperately because I just don't think, I, I, I don't think, this this management, uh, the coaching staff, expect um, MVP Cam Newton to come out here and just take over. Um, realistically, I get it. He's a big name, but this guy has suffered countless amount of injuries over the past few years. He was in front of the worst O-line, just got destroyed, and he deteriorated pretty quickly in uh, Carolina. So you need a running back. You need a running back. James White is obviously going to be your pass catcher, but I'm talking that first down guy, um, your cowbell back. I mean, take what you want from that term. I know there's really no more cowbells, but this team needs something at running back. And I think Damian Harris will probably be, be it. We'll see how well he performs. He's had a pretty good camp from what I've heard. But like I just said, to, to, to recap, end it off with the Pats, they need something that is going to grind them out wins because they're not just going to win games anymore like that. They're just not going to because you're coming in with a new quarterback, learning the new system. You don't have the guy that knows this whole system inside and out. Tom Brady said it a couple days ago in Tampa Bay. He said, it's been weird not 
it's been weird having to actually study a playbook. It's been weird having to like build like these everything up when I just kind of walked in the building my the past 15 years or 20 years in New England and just knew everything. So, I mean, that's just so something we took for granted. And now it's just like, it's a whole new, whole new chapter. So, I mean, you just need so much more out of so many more players. Listen, Matt, I'll tell you right now, one with the Brady thing, all good things come to an end. Of course. You know, everything, everything, the only thing that's certain in life is death, nice <laughs> cold here in taxes. But <laughs> the way the Patriots are going to win football games, and it gets me so excited because it's how every Big Ten school wins football games except for Ohio State. And that's ground and pound, hammer at home, in between the holes, in the trenches, running back style offense. And I am so excited for it. I agree. Harris is going to be huge. You say Sony Michelle's last days. Hey, I'm fine with having Sony Michelle as our third running back. If we're going to go with James White. I think they're going to cut him. I don't think we're going to cut him. Dude, I, what's, what's the point in having him here? What's the point of having him here in case a running back gets hurt? Dude, I would. I'd rather. Go ahead. We already. We already have the cap. We we have all the cap space we want now. Like we can afford to just keep them. All those guys opted out. We have the cap now. We. There's no like. I see. There's a big point in keeping them. I think he is. I think we're gonna keep him. I think he's gonna be very mediocre. I love Sony. Love him dearly. I think we're gonna keep him. I think he's gonna have a. Eh, season, considering, you know, it's running back by committee, like always. But this is going to be ground and pound football. Little dump-offs to White. Harris up the gut. Sony up the gut. Burkhead up the gut. It's going to be all these guys freaking just old-school football. It's the way it's supposed to be. And you know who's going to be the deciding factor in us winning games? It is the goddamn defense. The defense is going to be the reason why this football team wins games. Yeah, we lost Chung. Yeah, we lost Hightower. It does not matter. We still have the best defensive mind in the history of football in Bill Belichick as our head coach, and we are going to just ride with it. Next man up, been that way forever. This defense is going to be phenomenal. We have two of the best cornerbacks in the game right now. They're going to win us every single game, and I am so hyped for it. Hype over there, huh? You are. You are I, hyped I, up. I, I can hear you banging the table. I am sick and tired of this throwing the football crap. Just hand it off. Let's go. Let's get back to real football. Everyone's talking about all oh, Mahomes and Lamar. They can throw the ball a country mile. No. Games are won and lost in the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line. That's what wins you games. Having a good defense wins you Super Bowls. Yeah, there's anomalies every now and again. Having a good defense, that's what will win you Super Bowls. And that's what we have in this Patriots team. I'm not expecting a Super Bowl, but we're going to have a damn good team. I agree. I mean, obviously, it's like he, he, Bill Belichick is such a huge factor when it comes into every Sunday. Huge factor. Coaching is massive in the, in the NFL. Coaching is probably more important in the NFL than in every other league. I mean, just like considering of how coaches, literally every play, the coaches get a chance to drill something into their players' heads, tell them which play to run, tell this guy to critique this. In every other sport, it's more fast-paced. Baseball, obviously, it's a little different than 
from the rest, but I mean, Bill Belichick is huge into this, obviously. Yes, you, you, it's, we're going to be probably the Tennessee Titans 2.0 without a six, six, six freaking massive ass running back. Running back by committee. Yep. I agree. Um, We'll see. I, I, we're getting into the swing of things with football. A couple more weeks. It's going to be opening, opening night. Chiefs, uh, Chiefs, Texans. I'm pretty sure it is. So I mean, football is literally back. I don't. It's almost going to be like too much sports to be talking about. Oh yeah, my bold prediction just before we switch topics, the Chiefs are going to lose that game. I love it. <laughs> it's going to be one of the three games I have them losing, but I have them losing that game. They're going to pull a. Uh... They're going to pull a uh, New England Patriots versus the Chiefs a couple of years ago coming off the Super Bowl and just get waxed opening night. Listen, it's hard out. It's hard to win when you're literally being celebrated for your success of last season. Mm-hmm. No matter no matter how much everyone says, like, oh, we're on to the next year. Last mm-hmm. year's the past. We're on to this year. When, when you're standing there looking at the banner, I, I can't blame some guys for being like, ah. God, we were we're really good. <laughs> we're yeah. really good. like it's just a hangover. I get it. Get smacked week one. Get it over with. On to the rest of the season. I the, the Chiefs are going to be phenomenal. They're probably going to get the bye. They're probably going to be the best team in the AFC. But yeah. I have them losing week one to the Texans. I love it. Um, next off, we'll be hitting on the uh, Boston Celtics as they uh, eliminated, swept the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. <laughs> Hey, embar- embarrassed is the correct word yeah, to use no, there no. for that series. Yep. Um, the Celtics smoked uh, the Philadelphia 76ers in a four-game series. Uh, Jason Tatum was a superstar. Uh, he had one bad game. Game three, he was um, kind of off his game a little bit, but games one and two and picked it up in game four. He's a superstar. Um the Sixers, one thing I have to say about this series is that they literally were at the line, I'd like to say like triple amount of these, the Celtics at the free throw line as the Celtics were. And the Celtics still came out on top by seven, eight plus points every game. And it just shows that the Celtics can literally um, go into a game knowing they don't have an answer for Joel Embiid, send him to the line 15, 20 times a game. Um, Embiid is not no like slouch of a free throw shooter either. He hits a lot of them and still go down the stretch and score at will. I mean, that's the one take I got out of this. And um, it just shows shutting me up again from what I said a couple episodes ago about the Celtics. I mean, the Celtics can just score at will. Their system with Brad Stevens um, absolutely stunned the Sixers, even without Ben Simmons. I mean, the Sixers are still a pretty good team without Ben Simmons. They have complimentary complimentary scores to go alongside Joel Embiid. I mean, they just went down in the fourth quarter and just did whatever they wanted to this team. And I think that is the one thing, the biggest thing that you take away from this as you go into the next round. I could not agree more, but one thing I have to say for a takeaway of the series, this Sixers team out Ben Simmons is still a capable basketball team. Exactly. It's not like it, it is it is not like we we're playing the Nets. Yeah. This this year's Nets. Next year's Nets is a completely different story. They're probably gonna win sixty games. But the Sixers are still a confident team. Like they still have the guys and they still have their best play. 
that's the thing. Like Ben Simmons went down. Yes. They still had their best player. Last season's Warriors, everyone talks about the injuries. Yes, they lost their best player and their third best player, all within like I think like two games apart. So this this Philly team is um, granted all that, not that changed. I think even still with Ben Simmons, we're taking that series. They with Ben Simmons, they might win a game. Might, but again, this is the same guy that scored one point in a playoff game against the Celtics before. So this Celtics team, I really think just ended the process. And I think it's no more trust the process. I think the process is over. I think Simmons is going to be gone this offseason. I think he is out of there. They're going to get assets for him. He is out. Done. I think he is done in Philly. And it's how it should be. You have two players that just don't play well together. You have your point guard who cannot shoot and a big man that spreads the floor. Like, it, it really doesn't make that much sense. They they got Embiid first, then Simmons, then Markel Fultz. Fultz didn't work out. Couldn't see that coming. Get him out of there. Then, sorry, catch my breath. <laughs> then, then, you know, it's just, oh, trust the process, trust the process. They miraculously get Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler in the same at the same time, and those are two of the best players in the league. Tobias, eh, maybe not so much, but at least Jimmy Butler, one of the best players in the league. Jimmy Butler, at his peak, is a all-NBA caliber player. I don't know if he's ever made an all-NBA team, but he's all-NBA caliber. They basically just got two all-stars. Is yes. one of them. Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. Jimmy Butler, the news that's coming out about him, is not a good look for the 76ers. Says Brett Brown is a goddamn idiot, and Ben Simmons is the softest man he's ever met. Granted, Jimmy Butler uh, does not respect anyone unless they like grew up homeless. Like he's, <laughs> he is. You have to, you have to do a lot to earn Jimmy Butler's respect. But the fact that he's saying he's like that soft and he left Philly for that reason is not a good look. Yeah, and I mean we'll. We'll see what happens in this offseason, but I think Philly's Philly's done. I think they are done, at least as far as next year is concerned. I mean, Joel Embiid, one of the best players in the league, he had a phenomenal series. Phenomenal series. He had a, he had a great series against the Celtics. I will give him that. Tip of the hat, you performed great against a team that doesn't really have a center. So, you know, big man, you know, hey, you see Thice down low, go take advantage of him. The rest of the team, not so much. Very bad. I think Simmons is out. I am not confident with Tobias being there. If I were Philly, i trade Simmons. i trade Tobias. Acquire assets. Build around Embiid. That's the problem. The process is Embiid. You have to build around Embiid. He is a once-in-a-generation center. It's enough Philly talk. They suck. They shouldn't have even been invited to the bubble. <laughs> On to the next round. Celtics. Gordo's probably out for the remainder of this series. It sucks, but it's the truth. Kyle Lowry. That looked like a bad roll. He's probably going to be out for a couple games, if not the whole series. Uh, looked like a really bad sprained ankle. That sucks. Those two cancel each other out in my book. 
So we're going to have their best player, Siakam, big man, going up against a team that doesn't really have the best of big men in the league. But then our best players. Ooh, buddy, I'm licking my chops just thinking about it. Jason Tatum has his goddamn kid with him in the bubble. He has Jason Tatum Jr. with him in the bubble. Listen, hey, Tatum's kid, don't know what, what he does, what what voodoo he brings around him. When Jason Tatum is around his kid, he is a different beast. I feel bad for Toronto that they have to play the Celtics with Jason Tatum being around his kid. I really do feel bad for them. Jason Tatum is going to go off this entire series. Jason Tatum's going to go off. You can basically count Fred Van Fleet out because Marcus Smart's going to be clamping him up the entire series. The Celtics, like this is going to be a good series because of their big men, Pascal Siakam and Marcus Saul. Going to be a good series. We're going to lose the paint battle. That's just a fact. It's going to happen. Yeah. But as far as having the best players, most talent, better defensive, it's the Celtics all day. Celtics have two guys that are all defensive caliber players, one being Marcus Smart, one being Jalen Brown. And I, I genuinely do not really see like much way that we're going to lose to Toronto. I'm not knock on wood. I'm not going to jinx us. But I really, I really like the Celtics are buzzing right now. They are a goddamn wagon. They're rolling. And keep keep it going. Keep it going. Gordo's out. That's fine. That's fine. Listen, we've won without Gordon Hayward, Hayward before. Yuri had the bad, uh, bad ankle popping out of his body moment. That Celtics team went to seven in the Eastern Conference Final against LeBron James Cavaliers. So we can, we can win without Gordon Hayward. Gordo, rest up. Get ready for the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the Celtics are going to roll the Raptors. Really? Yep. I think I think we are going to roll them. The like, Raptors. What's roll? Like five games? I I I don't see the series going past six. I think, and I think some. I I think the the Raptors might win some of those close ones, just because their bench is so deep. But I think I think the Celtics are the better team. I think the Celtics are more all around team. The only category I think the Celtics are uh, definitely behind them in is big man presence, as, like I said, Pascal Siakam, Marcus Gasol, but, and bench depth. Toronto is a deep team. That is, it's a tough team to roll with for 48 because they have guys that can check in and basically be the same player as the guy that just checked out. So they are a deep team. It's going to be tough to run with them for 48 only because they're going to be rusted more. But I genuinely think the Celtics are going to just roll. And the Celtics just played a tougher series than Toronto did. Toronto got the goddamn nets. They were a cakewalk. They weren't even a, that was a G league roster that they just played. Mm -hmm. The Celtics played a pretty good 76ers team that was without their second best player. That's still a good, you take him, Ben Simmons off the Sixers in a regular season, the Sixers are still making the playoffs. Yeah. You put that Nets team in a normal environment, they're maybe winning 10 games. So I think the Celtics are more tuned, just played a tougher opponent. And I'm fully, I think the Celtics are going to roll. Roll. I think it's going to be a good series, but I think the Celtics will 
will breeze right by. I keep contradicting myself by saying roll in good series, but I think the Celtics are going to, I think the Celtics are definitely the better team, and I think the Celtics should get it done. I know what you mean. It's like it's almost like the Philly uh, the Philly series. Like the games were yeah. pretty close, but we just kind of pulled away at the end. Just our scoring just became too much at the end. Exactly. That's exactly. what I mean. Yeah. I mean, like you said, they're they're a deep team. Uh, they're a star. I mean, you. I think Pascal Siakam is a great player. I just don't think he's like a star yet. Uh, I think t- Jason Tatum has like kind of pushed himself in a category above Siakam uh, by his play this season, especially as of late. I totally agree. Uh, I think that the series, look at the last regular season matchup against these two in the bubble. The Celtics destroyed the Raptors. I'm pretty sure they beat them by like 20, 25 points. That is huge. I know the playoffs are a different beast, but just from a confidence aspect, the Celtics are going into the series knowing they beat the bag out of this team a couple weeks ago. That is huge. A team that knows that they're significantly um, significantly less talented on the bench, they know that that doesn't matter. They were able to destroy destroy this team a couple weeks ago. That's huge just from a confidence, confidence standpoint. Um, I do think um, the Raptors, I don't think this is going to be a four or five game series. I do think this is going to be six or seven. I do I love the way I love uh, their coach, uh, Nick Nurse. I think he's huge. Um, they've had a terrific year without Kawhi Leonard, uh, the guy that literally pretty much carried them to an NBA championship. They've had a tremendous year without him. That just shows so much about what they're doing uh, without a star. Um, they're deep, like you just said. Like uh, we keep saying, they're they're deep. Bench is huge in the NBA. It's absolutely massive. Um, the Lakers kind of going through a little bit we're going through a little bit of a pain with it especially game one I mean I think it ultimately turned around because year in and year out that's how the playoffs are stars just kind of say enough's enough like LeBron say enough's enough and they just will will their way to the win Um, but team with a deep bench is huge in in these middle rounds in these middle rounds, having a bench is huge. Um, once it gets to the finals, I do think you need your stars. And that's that was my thing with the Celtics. I kind of take back what I said because I think Jason Tatum is that dude. I really do. I really think Jason Tatum can hang with Giannis, and I think he can hang with LeBron. You saw it. Just like the way he just – his stroke when he's shooting the ball, the three, the dagger three in game four pulled up from like five, three, four feet beyond the, the three-point line and just bangs it. Like, that's that's star. That's a star. Luka Doncic, star. Hits that game winner. That, that is what makes star players. Um, so, yeah, I do think the Celtics prevail. I do think they go on to the next series, face off against the Bucs. Um, but that, that's a different beast. That is yeah. – that's... We'll get we'll – get, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But real quick on your Luca comment, um, I said to you earlier, I saw some bar stool, so this is an original thought. I'm sick and tired of seeing people say Luka Doncic is the future of the NBA. The man's the goddamn present of the NBA. He is a stud right now. Right now. He is one of the 
you asked me earlier, you said, is he a top five player in the NBA? I molded over the, all, the whole day. I was really thinking about it, considering it, driving around in the truck at work. Uh, yeah, he is. I think he is literally probably number five. I think he is a right around top five player in the NBA right now. Um, it's just a genuine fact. I think he is one of the best players in the NBA, and he is one of a probably a handful of guys that you'd say I want to build a team around. And that's what Dallas has, and he's going to be very exciting to watch in Dallas for probably the rest of his career. I mean, dude, he's – he. people don't want to admit this, but he's like the closest thing we've seen to LeBron James. Uh, I've said this before. Like, yeah, he, he doesn't have the flashy dunks and whatever, but everything else this guy does is LeBron James. He's an oversized point guard. He – does literally everything he goes on the boards he gets the dimes and he scores so i mean that's lebron james i don't understand why people can't come to that conclusion old old comment by him before we switch over to the bees who are playing tonight actually very excited for that one but um luca had a comment i think like a year ago which i believe was his rookie year where he said it is easier to score in the NBA than it was over in Europe. He, he like genuinely was like, yeah, it's easier to score over here. Cause guy like over there, it was over there. It's pretty, pretty, pretty old school basketball. And he literally said, he's like, yeah, no, they kind of just give me space over here. He's like, it's, it's easier to score. That's, that was the whole thing with him getting drafted was, like, ah, oh, it's a European guy. Can you really trust him? Can you really let him, like, you know, there's one every year. This was a guy that won two league MVPs in Europe at ages 17 and 18. <laughs> Over. He is a stud. And I don't get why people weren't having him higher. I get Aiton. I love Bagley, but I just, I do not see why he was not the number two overall pick in the yeah. draft. Yeah, it just does not make any sense. No, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, he was in, he was in, uh, where was he playing? Real, Real Madrid, right? He was with Real Madrid, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole thing. Like, can you trust a dude that's playing in Europe? And I think he's paving the way for the way these guys, these Europeans, are going to get drafted now. I mean, look at it. Like, how much do you think the Kings are sitting back right now, watching this game? the other night versus the Clippers saying like, dude, like imagine if we had this right now, the Kings being like one of the worst teams in the league over the past 15 years. Like, it's just like now teams are going to reconsider their whole draft process in terms of these. I mean, some of these dudes are kind of used as like the draft and stash guys to to like send them back over. But like, certainly they're going to be more like studs coming out from your top five picks. It's he's paving the way. Like guys are gonna get drafted earlier now. The studs from Europe. Like there's no there's, doubt there's, about it. There's one this year, Danny uh, Avijaya. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's a Israeli fella. And then there's another guy from France. So there's guys that are, yeah, coming out. That I mean, I wouldn't say Luca paved the way for, but like Luca definitely set the footing of yeah. if you're from Europe and how to come over it's go to the top leagues as soon as you possibly can mm-hmm. well 
went on a little Luka Doncic rant there. So all Boston yeah. sports teams and Luka Doncic today. Episode. We're a Luka, we're a Luka Doncic podcast. We, yes, we are. We are sponsored by Luka Doncic. <laughs> so, last off, the Boston Bruins. Man, I'm fucking hyped, bro. You have no clue what the other night did to me. I. I went into this. I was getting a lot of texts from a lot of people before game one started, right before puck drop. Just being asked, like, what's your what's your thought on this? Like, what? what this is always an interesting series whenever, even, like, regular season. It's just, like, these are the two teams of the Eastern Conference that stand above the rest. Say what you want about the Leafs. Say what you want about the Caps. These are the two most talented teams. They're in their own category. Whenever you get these two teams, you don't get them. We don't get it as much as we get the Leafs. But whenever you get these two teams in a seven-game series, we lost. We lost last time. We had a great one in uh, 2011. But here we go again, and that's the thought on it. That's why I think people get so. Uh, they they really don't know what what to expect. A lot of fans, what you're going to see in this series. Honestly, quite frankly. I don't. I didn't really know either. I didn't know what we were gonna see. Uh, I didn't know, given it's only been a game, but I just didn't know. And honestly, like, I kind of, we kind of saw like exactly what was gonna happen. I mean, we saw, we saw everything in that game that we were expecting to see. We saw Vasilevsky's great saves. We saw the Lightning go on, just absolute tears, where the Bruins were like couldn't even touch the puck. The Lightning were just skating circles around. They had one play. I mean, they had this, like, tic-tac-toe play that they just missed the net on where I was, like, my mouth dropped. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, no other team in the league makes that play. So, certainly, you saw that. You saw the Bruins um, use their their depth at offense to their advantage. I mean... Starting in your, starting the fourth line is obviously the first. That's something like really no other team in the league does, but the Bruins. It just shows how confident they are in their fourth line to start your game off with them. They do it almost every game now, I'm pretty sure. Um, it, there was just a full-on display. You saw the Lightning fight back. You saw how quickly they can get things going. Two goals in five minutes to make it a 3-2 game. Like That's how this series is going to be. The Bruins are going to need those big leads if they want a chance of like staying in games. This Lightning team, I mean, granted the Bruins can play defense. They can hold the Lightning off of their stretches of dominance on offense. But they need these leads. They need David Krejci to keep playing the way he is. They need Charlie Coyle to keep playing the way he is in order to kind of fend off bursts of lightning um tears goal stretches you saw it um i'll let you take it away Uh, i want to hear your uh thoughts game one everything depict it for me and i kind of want to i do really don't want to talk about game two because by the time this is posted it's going to be 15 minutes before puck drop so let's 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 just give reactions to game two in the next episode yeah, we're going to probably do an episode later this week reacting to two and three. But as far as game one is concerned, Bruins look sharp. I'm not going to lie to you. The Bruins look real sharp. Yeah. I was very happy with the way they played. 
obviously we saw see everything like you get from the lightning saw a tremendous goalkeeping display by Vasilevsky and you saw their top di- top line dominance that top line is I mean our top line can match it but their top line is top notch it's their top line is phenomenal and I'll be completely generous as a Bruins fan who thinks that pasta Bergie Marshy is the best first line in hockey their first line is damn good yeah. damn good they are nasty up top and that was that was a main concern was like if our first line isn't can't cancel out their first line they're probably going to win games that's how good their first line if our first line's even sleeping a little bit we're probably not going to win games our first line was buzzing looked really good Bergeron was one of probably the greatest poke checks I've ever oh, seen on that. Dude, table. dude, don't get me started on that one. That was a that that's that's Patrice uh, when they when he goes into the Hall of Fame. I want that as one of his highlights because that was classic Bergeron. My, just my cousin not, texted me when that happened and he said they should just rename the Selkie at this point. <laughs> they, honestly, they should. I think I think he's I think he's one more than the, the guy it's named after. So I mean. Bergeron, the, the first line was phenomenal, I thought, in my mind. There's a, a little shaky there at the end. Bruins got a little lackadaisical, especially at the end of the third and the end of the second. My boy, Yaroslav Halak, played. Preds. <laughs> I am, yeah, happily the president of the Yaroslav Halak fan club. Um, you know, Tuka, I think this is the first time we talked since Tuka went away, but. Um, <laughs> Listen, this is why we signed Halak. Was for a guy that for a guy that can play the way he plays. He is a starter caliber backup. And that's no like I'm not saying he's he's not he's not prime to Karask. He's not he he is not to Karask. Say what you would about Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask is one of the best goalies in the NHL and he's probably one of the best goalies of all time. Obviously the top two are already decided with Bradour and Patrick Waugh. But Tuka Rask is one of the best goalies of all time. I'm firmly going to say that. I love Rask, and I'll support him to my dying day. He should have his number retired and whatnot. The him leaving, I hope I hope it's nothing. Just for his family's sake. I hope it's nothing too serious with his family. And I hope it's just in general he just missed his wife and kids. That's what I hope it is. If he even has wife and kids, I don't even know. Yeah, he does. But, okay, perfect. I hope that's why he left was that he he missed his family because I just hope that there's nothing I wish Tuka the best later topic I think he he might be gone come uh, expansion draft time as the Krakens are ramping up to steal players from each and every NHL team but I think Halak is extremely extremely capable goalie will he win us games no will he lose us games no I, I genuinely don't think so. I think he, I think he let up one softy last night. He did the first one. Yeah, first one was a softy. Second one was understandable. He was screened in front, if I'm not mistaken. But I think Halak is not gonna. He's the Alex Smith of goalies. He's not gonna be the reason why we win games. He's not gonna be the reason why we lose games. I genuinely think that. As I'm saying that, he's probably gonna let up like 12 tonight, but. He is a very good backup goalie. 
now starting goalie. We saw what he did in uh, 2010 with the Canadians, carried them all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. He is a very, very fine goalie. I'm very happy he's on the Bruins, and this is exactly why we signed him. This is why we have back – this is why the Bruins pay so much for backup goalies. We we see uh, – oh, crap, what's his name? Dobin, uh, last year. He was unbelievable backup. He goes to Dallas, or two years ago. He – good, because he is a starter caliber at our backup spot. Yeah. So Halak. Halak is very good. He's not the best goalie. He's not even close. He's not even the best goalie in the series. He's nowhere close to the best goalie in the Eastern Conference right now, as I believe that goes to Hart. And I don't think he's anywhere close. He's in the bottom half of goalies left in the playoffs. But he's a goalie that will not lose you games. And I think our offense is good enough to keep us in games. And one thing I loved about last night was that the Lightning were trying to match our physicality. And whenever a team does that, it usually does not end well for them because they're so worried about keeping up with the big, bad Bruins that they forget that it's a game about scoring goals. And that's where the Bruins come in and attack. And I'm very excited. And I think the Bruins are going to continue this run. Pasta, the hair looks phenomenal. Pasta looks unbelievable. I think the top line is finally coming to form. And I genuinely think the Bruins are just going to keep this going. And, Main part is to our bottom two lines. Third and set, third and fourth line are a huge reason why I think the Bruins are going to continue to have success through this postseason run. I mean, yeah, uh, the the Bruins spine, the the offensive spine there with the centers. I mean, that's that's their strong suit. Uh, there's no doubt about it. This is what's going to fuel the Bruins to the Stanley Cup if they if they do win it. This the Bergeron, uh, Krejci, Coyle, Corrali. Is their reason of winning? Um, they do have a good defense, but there are teams out there with better defenses. One being the Lightning. I mean, the Lightning are loaded on defense. There is no doubt about it. They have Shattenkirk, McDonough, Hedman, Sergachev. I mean, there's four guys that could be number one defensemen on other teams. Um, so the Bruins' advantage here, their huge advantage on the Lightning, is the center position. I mean, there's just no other team in hockey that carries out four centers like ours. Um, that's like the quick thing on that, and I really want to hit on Halak too. Um, Yaroslav Halak has played phenomenal. He has sported a 1.75 goals against average. His save percentage is one tick under what Tuka Rask postseason save percentage is 936. Tuka's is 937. You said it. Yaroslav Halak is not going to steal us games like Tuka Rask has in the past. Again, like you said, I don't think Yaroslav Halak is going to lose us games. But one thing I've noticed since Tukarask has opted out, the Bruins have played so much better in front of Yaroslav Halak. I don't know if that's just a, like a step it up kind of thing, if it's Cassidy drilling them. Who knows what that reason might be of why they're playing so much better. But when they when Yaroslav Halak stepped in, to that Carolina series, I know like you could clearly see the Bruins played so much faster, so much more confidently. Like it was crazy. I don't know what it was. Maybe, like I said, maybe it was Cassidy saying, listen, we need more now. We need more. And maybe they responded to it. Maybe leadership Chara Bergeron knew that, Hey, like if we want to win this, like 
we got to do it soon. We got to do it this year, next year, maybe the year after. Like, Daniel Chara is really, really, really on the edge right now. Like, he is riding a thin line. He's 43 years old. He's Tom Brady. He's older than Tom Brady. People don't understand that. Go ask. Go ask countless amount of fans how old they think Daniel Chara is. They're going to say 36 years old, 37. This man is 43. They need to win this now. If they want Sedano Char hoisting that cup again, it's time. And I think they realize that. And I think it's the the reason why, like, these guys are smiling so big after wins because they're just so bought in. Chara and Bergeron are so bought in. Bergeron is 35 years old. Sedano Char is 43. It's go time. Like, we got to do this now. If you want to win with this core, if you want to see Chara and Bergeron hoist another cup, you got to do it now. They know that. Uh it's why they're playing so much better. They know the stakes just got higher with their um, with their starting goaltender opting out. This team knows what is at is at stake, and that's why I'm so confident. Halak in net with Vladar in net. I don't care. You saw it last night. They hung with or two nights ago. They hung with the Lightning. They hung with them. They they scored the gritty goals. They. St- got their chances and missed on him. Kasha missed the breakaway, or Vasilevsky robbed Kasha on a breakaway. They hung. They did not hang their heads when they they did not hang their heads when these missed chances happened. They kept fighting, and I love that. I love this team for that. Um, I just think that... <laughs> uh, real, real quick, on the Halak, like, oh, did, did they, like, step it up? Uh, I know this probably isn't the case for them, but quick story. Uh, when I was playing back in the day, when I was playing like Pee Wee hockey, those of you who don't know, Pee Wee hockey usually have two goalies, uh, almost on every team. Um, usually one goalie that is good, and then one guy that probably should never even play hockey. And so, as a guy, like when the good goalie's in, I'm like, okay, I can be a little lackadaisical. I can give up some shots that. I know he's going to say when the bad goalie's in, oh, you got to be head on a swivel, locked in on defense. Your, your main focus is defense and making sure he does not get shots on him. And I think that's what the Bruins are mildly doing is they're putting the lightning in spots where they take shots where Halak can save. They're not, they're not putting, they're not putting him in spots that like it's, uh, like, for example, the breakaway that Pasta gave up in uh, the Carolina series. We're not putting them in situations like that. Being sound defensively, give give Halak a game that he can win. And he's going he's gonna to come through for us. He's not going to let up bad goals. Well, he did the other night. And I think <laughs> it really sucks as a Tukaraz fan. But if we win, this is a very bad look for Tukaraz. Horrible look. Oh, it is a terrible look. But I'm excited for game two. I'm firmly with Halak. I trust him with everything I got right now. I think he's, again, like we just keep hammering away. He's not going to be the reason why we lose games. And I think that this Bruins team can hang with the Lightning. And I think we can really hang with any team that's left in the playoffs right now. Game two tonight, um, you'll probably be listening to this episode after game two. Um, so we have obviously no knowledge of what's going going to happen. Pivotal game two. I'm so ready. Um, Liam, if you don't mind, I 
kind of need to skip picks. I have a dinner to attend pretty soon. All right, just real quick, one quick pick. One quick pick. <laughs> one, one quick pick. Give yours. I just won't give mine. U.S. Open, one, just really quick, hammer the Flyers, hammer the Avalanche. They are both in games that they need to win. Um, hammer Paul George tonight, if you're listening before the game. Paul George has been facing criticism. And he is, baby. He has to he has to perform well. And lastly, I usually make a joke pick, but this is dead serious. The U.S. men's the U.S. Open for tennis is coming up soon. I think it is at the end of this month. It either starts or it is finishing. I believe it starts on the thirty first. A lot of guys have opted out. Novak Djokovic, who is the best tennis player in the world, has not. His main competitors have opted out of the tournament Novak Djokovic is at minus 125 obviously that's a lot to pick a guy to win a tournament hammer joker he has zero competition in this tournament he's going to show up like he always does for majors hammer Novak Djokovic to win the U.S. Open right now he is a lock all right the joker hammer some tennis um Liam gave his picks uh like we said Game two tonight versus the Lightning. Celtics start on Thursday. We'll be uh, coming out with an episode soon within the next couple days, maybe after game one of the Celtics. I don't really know how the schedules mirror with the Celtics and, uh, Celtics and Bruins, but I'd like to get a time where it's like good for – we could talk about like new new games for both teams. Or we could just do like a, a whole nother preview of the game one with the Raptors, whatever. We'll figure something out. Uh like we said, football will be back soon. Talking more Pats, Cam Newton. Um, certainly we'll have some uh, Red Sox follow-up after the trade deadline passes. Have a more clear outlook of what this team is going to be next year and beyond. Um, but we pretty much hit it all today. We hit on all four. We hit on Luka Doncic. We gave you some picks. Um, so, Liam, unless you have anything else, uh, just say hi to your family to me for me, Matt, at uh, dinner. Oh, I'm uh, going with them. my friends. Just because. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Fuck you. Are you with your family? No, but I'm going with my friends because it's my birthday coming up. So we're going out to Cancun. It's my 21st birthday in just about a week. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Pretty excited for that. Um, but last week of work, no, pretty, uh, pretty worth mentioning here. Last week of work, school starting back up. So me and Liam will have. A little bit more free times. We won't be full-time workers anymore after Friday. So we'll have a more uh, expanded time zone of when we can record these things, which is pretty big as well. The pod the pod will be our full-time job. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So um, this has been episode number 27. We'll see you in a couple of days. Go Bs. Go Cs. See ya. Peace. We can make it better. Tell me, boy, now wouldn't that be sweet?